Not a week for the faint-hearted, a 60,000 milestone, and the Farley Factor. This is Vinayutam, your resident stock doctor, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Stock Doctor. Hope all of you are doing well, and hope all of you had a good weekend and a good week in general. So much to discuss, so let's get straight to the first segment, Doctor's Weekly Snapshot. So if I were to tell you that for the week, for the week, S&P 500 was up half a percent, the Dow gained 0.6%, and the Nasdaq was relatively flat, you'd probably think, oh, a very uneventful week. In reality, though, what we had was a week that is not for the faint-hearted. We had it all. A manic Monday, a timid Tuesday, a wonderful Wednesday, a terrific Thursday, and a fatigued Friday. So, so what happened on Monday? My goodness, I'm not even sure whether it's the alarm bells raised by China's second largest property developer, or the looming threat of the debt ceiling, or the September curse, or simply the curse of the stock doctor, given that I just launched the show that day. Whatever it is, the bears made their presence felt with a resounding roar. The S&P was down 1.7%, NASDAQ was down 2.19%, and the Dow closed 614 points down. This is one of the worst days since uh, May, and boy, was this a beatdown. However, what many thought would be the start of a major pullback actually turned out to be just a blip. By Thursday and Friday, all of those losses were erased, thanks largely to our man Jay Powell, Federal Reserve Chairman Jay Powell, convincingly ruling out interest rate increases anytime soon. And, uh, you know, in the end, eventually, and in, by, by Friday, the markets ended in the green for the week. So if I were to tell you, you know, so the, the, so the, the, the figures I told you in, at first about the S&P up 5.5%, Dow gaining 0.6%. It tells the reality, it tells you a far different story. To the, how we got to 0.5%, if you were to look by day by day, it is a far cry from, you know, from, your, from what you would initially think, um, uh, you know, of, 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 of a, a very uneventful week. So, you know, in other words, what a week it was, <laughs> rather than a pullback. There are many who think uh, the market is primed for one. Morgan Stanley uh, analysts believe uh, the market might be uh, primed for a 20% full pullback. But, you know, uh, but but I think uh, rather than the pullback, what I really expect instead is weeks such as the one we had uh, with volatility expected to be the key driver. Volatility going to be the buzzword uh, rather than a pullback. Um, I do believe that the S&P eventually will end up in the high. Uh, you know, it'll end up higher um, by the year's end. Uh, but painful days, such as the one we just had on Monday, uh, you know, uh, they, they're going to be they're going to be a lot more of those. And what I predict, or what I, I would I would uh, what I would say is, uh, painful days such as Mondays, uh, the manic Monday that we had could be just simply terrific buying opportunities because um, I just I, I do feel I do feel its volatility is going to be uh, the driver and not not a, a standard uh, pullback. Moving on to the newsmaker of the week, it looked like a new Lehman Brothers had come to town, isn't it? Everybody, if you look at the news articles, Lehman, Lehman Brothers was mentioned. I think I'm surprised it wasn't trending on Twitter for a while. It most likely would be. And this time, a new the new Lehman Brothers had uh, come all the way from China in the form of China's second uh, largest property developer and the largest indebted developer ever grand. So what exactly happened? You would have probably heard about Evergrande like a lot throughout the week. Evergrande was was one of the one of the trending words um, as far as equity markets were concerned. Um, so what exactly happened? 
I mean, put simply, Evergrande does not have the funds to make the interest payments on its debt. And uh, it actually defaulted on an interest rate payment uh, on Thursday. Uh, and and while, while, you know, while it does have a 30-day grace period, uh, it is looking, you know, to, to pay it, it is very much looking likely that, uh, you know, it, it, it's not exactly doing well when it comes to um, the interest payments and when it comes to its overall financial health. So why is it a problem? Why is... Uh, uh, why is the uh, you know why is one property developer unable to fail uh, you know unable to uh, pay the debt causing such a problem for uh, the markets? Well, the debt in question, the total debt in question, is the is to the tune of more than three hundred billion dollars. Now you know, like I said, while the interest uh, while the developer did miss its interest payments, and while there is a thirty gray spirit to make them, the problem is far bigger. Collapse of Evergrande uh, threatens to ripple across the Chinese financial markets, and there is a fear of wider contagion uh, as a result of this collapse. Uh, however, I am with the majority, though I, the doctor really thinks that the uh, majority of the analysts and majority of the experts are actually right. I do not think that there will be a large spillover effect uh, in the event of an Evergrande default. Um, I do believe that the Chinese government, they, mean, they, might, they might let the developer uh, default, but I don't think they're going to let it uh, let you know, let it rip the remaining the the, the overall financial market, overall uh, financial markets in China. And as a result, if they don't let that happen, then uh, you know the global markets wouldn't feel much pain. Uh, but whatever said and done, should the failure of such a you know such such an indebted property developer, such a huge uh, a giant in 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 uh, real estate fail? there will be a lot of pain. Might not be ripple effects across the markets in, in, in the way that, you know, everybody's predicting. It might, it might not be a new Lehman in the making, but it definitely will be creating a lot of pain. So watch out, watch for this space, watch this space very, very um, closely uh, in, the, in the coming week. I probably have to do, probably, probably do a segment on Evergrande uh, in one of the upcoming episodes because it is, it is big. Uh, it is most certainly big. So that's the end of the segment uh, of Doctor's Weekly Snapshot. Uh, moving on to the next segment, doctor is going home. 60,000. Remember the number and remember the week when I said 60,000. Once again, 60,000. Boy, what a moment it has been for Sensex in particular and the Indian equity markets overall. Since its inception in 1986, it has taken 35 years for Sensex to reach this historic figure. I recently came across an article on Times of India that describes the timeline of Sensex milestones in a very clear, simple manner. It's a right, lovely read, um, you know, and, 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 and some fascinating findings. While it took nine years to cross 5,000, for Sensex to cross 5,000, seven years to go from 5,000 to 10,000, a little over a year to cross 20,000, then it took eight years to cross 30,000 largely due to the financial crisis because 2007 is when it crossed 20,000. It took up to 2015 for it to come to 30,000. Obviously, the, you know, one, can, one can easily see the damage of uh, financial crisis uh, over there uh, you know, for, the, for the delay. Uh, uh, so why it took eight years. Um, so eight years to cross 30,000 from 20,000. So in 2015, it had reached 30. It took a further four years to cross 40,000 in 2019. And then later in Jan 2021, um, uh, sorry, earlier in Jan 2021, it took a further, so it, it crossed 50,000. So it basically took another two years um, from uh, the 40 to the 50. Now get this, 2021, in 2021, 
Sensex will have two anniversaries to celebrate. Because in just eight months, to be precise, in about 233 days, it went from 50 to 60. That's right. 20,000 to 30,000, it took eight years. But 50 to 60 in only eight months. Let that sink in, guys. Eight months. This, the, I mean, it, it, it is a record for sure. I mean, in case you were wondering, is it a record? Hands down, it is. So and the, the question you need to ask is, what has really driven this monster rally? Why, why is, um, you know, what uh, gave Sensex this unique milestone that we get to celebrate two anniversaries? Uh, you know, while there are a lot of reasons, and there are, there are a lot of reasons for this, um, government reforms, uh, as I've told you in the last week, the telecom uh, sector, but although it's not really, I mean, it's, it's, it's a new news and not, you know, really didn't contribute much, probably contributed to the last leg of 60,000. But the other government, government reforms largely in general, the strong rallies in equity markets in the US and uh, elsewhere since the onset of the pandemic, strong interest from foreign investors looking for better returns. The US markets do look uh, stretched, do look have they have their valuation concerns. Uh, so, you know, there is a greater greater interest from F, uh, FII's uh, looking for uh, better returns elsewhere. Uh, so there are a lot of reasons such as these. But my vote as to what causes this, you know, what causes this 233-day blitzkrieg from 50,000 to 60,000, my vote goes to the explosion of retail investors due to trading made easier thanks to the likes of online investment platforms such as Zerodha and Upstocks. I mean, there are many few that recently done is a new new um, player in this space. But I really think, I really do believe that the, you know, uh, the, the explosion of retail investor, the arrival of the new age retail investor has really helped the last, the, 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 the 10K rise from 50 to 60 in just record time. Platforms such as Zerodha, like I've mentioned, are the future of investing. And that popularity amongst retail investors suggests how quickly uh, the dynamics of investing has changed. So don't be surprised if uh, future milestones take even less time. I mean, there's, there's a lot of articles saying, what next? One lakh? You know, I, I, I reckon we'd, be, we'd reach there faster than we think. So, you know, there are whispers of valuation concerns. Everybody's talking about valuation being stretched, not just in India, but across the world. But I really think the new age investor, the new age retail investor is probably going to get us, uh, you know, a future, get, get, get us to 70, 80, 90 and, and beyond in, in much faster than one anticipates. The power of retail investor is here to stay. And even the strongest of the bears would acknowledge this. If you want to go, uh, if you if you want the doctor to go a little bit stock specific, you know, I mean, obviously there's going to be a lot of factors at play. You know, like I said, the power of the retail investor is the major factor, according to me, that will uh, get there. But you know, there are if if you were looking stock specific, the doctor continues to love IRCTC and Tata Motors. These have been my two picks, um, you know, two top picks um, uh, uh, for for a reasonable amount of time. And, uh, you know, uh, despite a monster rally in IRCTC uh, and continued losses in Tata Motors, I still think that these two um, are my favorite picks, at least. I and mean, there will be many more as we march on from 60,000 uh, 60, to you know 70,000 and beyond. But right now, as we speak, as I record this podcast episode, I do believe that IRCTC and Tata Motors are, 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 are the picks, you know, are the, are, are the picks. Why? 
Well, as far as far as IRCTC is concerned, the environment is not changed. Uh, it still has a, you know, it remains a monopoly in the railway ticketing industry. There's not really any challenges to it uh, per se. And recently, it's now ventured into hospitality as well. Uh, I'm not sure, uh, you know, I'm not sure what people think of the, you know, the, 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 the VIP lounges that IRCTC launched in the waiting, waiting lounges that IRCTC launched in Delhi, uh, in Delhi train stations. But based on what I've read, it looks absolutely amazing in line with uh, those that you find in airports. So, you know, IRCTC, as far as that company is concerned, the environment has not changed uh, as far as I'm concerned. While for Tata Motors, I've got two words for you, my two favorite words these days, electric vehicles. Not only has it been dominant in the EV space, uh, but there is nothing to suggest that this domination is under any form of uh, uh, a threat. Uh, also, also, having a Jaguar Land Rover in its portfolio doesn't hurt either. I do have a standard disclaimer. The doctor's family, my family, is long both is long both IRCTC and Tata Motors, but uh, it, I, it's it's not, not not that kind of bias. It's 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 basically gr uh, the ground reality is that these two stocks are uh, are well set for uh, more returns in the future, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so, yeah, I think as for if stock specific, I would go for IRCTC and Tata Motors at the moment. With that, the doctor is coming back from home he's, uh, and he's going to go straight into the final segment, Dr. Dissex. Welcome to the Dr. Dissex segment, uh, everyone. So this week, I have decided to dissect another auto company, uh, but it's one which finally looks like the market is starting to reward, despite making all the right noises for a long time. I'm talking about Ford Motor Company. So under the, under Jim Farley, who's been the CEO for in, in, in recent times, the company is undergoing a rapid a rapid turnaround, uh, or rather a radical turnaround. Turnaround is taking a, taking slightly longer than you know. I mean, it is taking longer for obviously the right reasons. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll highlight the reasons in a bit. But it is undergoing a radical turnaround, and like many of its peers, you know, no surprises, guys. Electric vehicles remain the cornerstone of the turnaround. I'm obsessed with EVs, but I'm obsessed with EVs for a reason. Uh, you know, as far as my, you know, my, my interest in auto stocks go, I think anyone with a successful, with a potentially successful EV strategy uh, would, is, is, is the one uh, that, you know, that, that investors should look out for, given the fact that I do believe that electric is the future. Uh, and the future is fast approaching than many of us think. So coming back to Ford, uh, unlike its peers, uh, Ford's success of its EV strategy will depend on two factors. Commercial success of the electrified version of the world's most popular pickup truck, the F-150. So the electrified version is called the F-150 Lightning. So that's number one. And the second factor is the success of its standalone global vehicle service business, Ford Pro. Okay, so I believe that unlike its, uh, you know, unlike its uh, peers, these are the two. It's, it's not just the EV models, not just the battery architecture. All that is going well and good for Ford. They, they, they have the same. But I do believe that the, the two driving factors, if should this EV strategy be successful, would be if the electrified version of the F-150 becomes successful and if the fleet, uh, uh, the services and distribution business, the commercial fleet business, uh, Ford Pro becomes successful. So the electric version of, I mean, let's let's dig in one by one. So let's go with the F-150 first. The electric uh, version of the F-150, like I said, it's called the F-150 Lightning. Super cool name, by the way. It's already attracting a lot of potential buyers. Uh, so as of mid-September, 
and I double checked. So in, in the end of the second quarter, uh, Jim Farley, the the CEO, he basically said that the, the expectations, uh, you know, the the, the uh, reservations, the number of reservations for the Lightning had crossed 120,000. Uh, this was end of July. As of mid-September, it's already crossed 150,000. And uh, the company, given the strong demand it's seeing for this particular vehicle, is already ramping up production uh, by investing $250 million more on the Lightning production and creating an additional 450 jobs in Michigan, the factories where it's located. And these are all spread across its various factories in Michigan. So no, these uh, so so I mean, while 150,000, 250 million, 450 jobs might all seem random to you, the the whole point is the whole point of the why you know uh, I, of why I believe in Ford's EV story and why I think um, you know the F-150 Lightning could be a hit is because these numbers, the 150,000, the number, the 150,000 is pretty impressive. Okay, and why is it impressive? Since approximately ninety to a hundred thousand of the one fifty are all new to Ford, so the the Lightning is not only you know getting some of the old customers in, it is also attracting customers that are brand new to Ford. So you know, I I really think that the Lightning is 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 you know is hitting all the right tunes right now, and uh, I I do believe that uh, early signs of the success of this particular company look, is looking very positive. So, and, and it needs to be, because given the fact it's the world's most uh, popular uh, pickup, uh, pickup truck, and given the fact that pickup trucks account for a lot in the US, success of the Lightning will depend, you know, will determine to a large extent the success of Ford's EV strategy. So, so F-150 Lightning, uh, the success, uh, you know, is, 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 is a space that I would very keenly watch out for if I was interested in determining how Ford's EV strategy is doing. Uh, as for Ford Pro, the company recently unveiled the leadership team for the division, uh, and this division is expected to generate revenues amounting to $45 billion by 2025. First of all, I really think it's a great move by the company to keep Ford Pro as a standalone entity, um, thereby giving it its own competitive advantage and installing its own leadership uh, installing its, you know, having its own leadership will also help a long way in ensuring that this division becomes successful. Another reason why I think, um, you know, the company is making all the right moves uh, with regards to um, its EV strategy becoming successful. Because I do believe, I do believe that Ford Pro um, is, is, is one of the cogs that will drive the EV revolution for Ford. Uh, so I think having its own leadership team, keeping its standalone entity is actually really, really uh, a good move. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, and, and, and it has, the company also has made some key strategic moves uh, to ensure that, uh, you know, Ford Pro becomes successful. And one such move was acqu acquisition of uh, Electrify. Uh, and, and actually the leadership of Electrify is now part of the leadership of Ford Pro. So uh, it, it is wasting no time in integrating uh, the, its acquisitions that are required for the success of Ford Pro. Uh, some other features of Ford Pro in, involve uh, include FinSimple. Uh, it's called the Ford Pro FinSimple. And uh, through this, the company will provide bundle financing for vehicles, services, and EV charging. Uh, so it's all in one package. I think it's just, this is also going to be a sweet move as far as EVs are concerned. Um, and the second one, and, and the second other feature is the Ford Pro Intelligence which involve digital services that enable customers to better manage their fleets. Uh, 
So, uh, you know, all in all, I think this is looking, I mean, it's something that other, uh, the peers of Ford don't have. And I really do believe that, uh, you know, this division as a standalone entity and having its own unique advantages could 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 actually prove, uh, you know, prove to be uh, vital for Ford's uh, EV success. Uh, so F-150 Lightning, Ford Pro, I think, are, are, are the two, two key elements or ingredients in making sure that the EV strategy is successful. Uh, all in all, guys, I think Ford's EV strategy is really starting to take off. And another, uh, you know, it, 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 another vital news was with relates, related to this was uh, Ford recently poached uh, Doug Fields from Apple. Uh, and Doug Fields is a man who is uh, responsible for Apple's secret, secret in air quotes, uh, card project or secret, not so secret card project. Uh, and he was hired to lead Ford's advanced technology and embedded systems effort. Another uh, sign of the EV strategy really, uh, you know, uh, working is the Mustang Mach-E is currently ranked number two in sales among all electric SUVs in the US. And it has achieved this feat just seven months after the deliveries began. Uh, it also recently passed Michigan police's stringent tests, the first EV to do so, by the way. And, uh, we, you know, and this has basically opened up the potential to be incorporated into the police fleet in the future. So I really think, you know, Ford's EV strategy is really starting to take off. And given all these developments, the stock does look like an exciting catch. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always, I've always been of the opinion that it's high time the market starts to see GM and Ford, GM I covered in the last episode, uh, and it's GM and Ford as genuine competitors to Tesla's throne. Uh, and I, 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 and you know, and I really, I, I really think that they should start valuing accordingly. Uh, and it looks like the market's finally starting to reward its actions. The stock was up by 1.7% in the past week. Uh, I mean, the overall market was up by the end of the week. And, you know, Ford, I think, just carried on with it. Um, and it's up to and the stock is up by close to 6% in the past one month, uh, while the S&P auto sector is down uh, on a weekly basis as well as on a monthly basis. So I think the market is uh, finally starting to reward its actions, uh, you know, reward for Ford's actions. And I think this is a very good sign. Uh, uh, but a, a, a DCF analysis, however, suggests that the stock has more room, room to grow. So I've, I did a DCF analysis uh, on the stock just to see whether, you know, uh, whether, whether, whether the markets, uh, you know, whether, whether, whether the markets rewarded it right so far. And is it time to, you know, uh, is it time for a pullback or uh, is there room to grow? And turns out there is room to grow. Uh, using very conservative assumptions, just like I did with GM for calculating the cash flow, and this includes an assumed adjusted EBIT of nine billion in 2021, which is the lower assumption by the company itself, lower estimate of the company's outlook, um, and a weighted average cost of capital of 5.8 percent, uh, using you know very very conservative risk-free rate assumptions and so on. Uh, target price was 17.36, so let's call it 17 and a half. Uh, 17, between 17.3 and 17.5, let's call it that. Uh, so, you know, the DCF analysis yielded a target price of 17.36, which uh, implies an approximate 26% upside to the Friday's closing price. So there is room to grow. There is definitely room to grow for this particular stock. Um, and I really think that the market's finally starting to uh, reward, uh, you know, re reward Ford for uh, its actions, reward Jim Farley, for uh, his uh, contribution or for his efforts in uh, this radical turnaround uh, of the company.
And I think Jim Farley has done a phenomenal job so far. I really like, like the guy. He's a very uh, candid CEO, uh, looking at the earnings reports and so on. Comes across as a really candid CEO, and I'm all, all for uh, uh, candid CEOs to be in the company. Uh, and, you know, and, and as things stand, his strategic decisions have been spot on. And the whole turnaround job that he took looks fairly well on track. The success of Marquis is one such example. Popularity of the Lightning is another such example. And what he's doing with Ford Pro, I really, look, I really think it's looking like a classic masterstroke. The, uh, and, and I think, you know, in the future, uh, we could very well be saying that this could potentially be Ford Pro's, you know, the decision to uh, keep Ford Pro as a standalone could really be um, the, one, of the, one of the key highlights of the Farley turnaround. So, you know, combine with, uh, so overall combining with the potential of the F-150 Lightning, Ford Pro, success of Marquis, all of that, Ford Motor Company is one that the doctor thinks long-term investors should definitely look, that, look at. Verdict, the doctor prescribes Ford Motor Company F. NYSE F is the ticker and standard disclaimer, I own, I am long Ford. So... Uh, this episode, watch out for this stock, guys. Seriously, watch out for this stock. That's all the time I have for you this week. Oh my goodness! Uh, by the time I, I, I really thought it would be longer, uh, I, I, you know, I, once I start talking, I go on forever about the equity markets. But looks like we've come to, to the end of this episode. If you do have a specific Indian or U.S. stock suggestion for the doctor to diagnose, do tweet me at uttamvinay, U-T-H-A-M-V-I-N-A-Y, or email me on the Stock Doctor Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and see you next week. Until then, stay safe and make some money.